Good morning and welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. In Ottawa at 95.7, in Toronto at 106.5, and that is also uh, at... uh, uh, on the Radio Player Canada app, you can download that and listen as well. I was trying to get creative there. That's why I was stumbling there for a little bit. But if you if you uh, download that app and uh, type in 95.7 ELMNTFM or 106.5 ELMNTFM, and you can listen anywhere across the country on your choice of device. And uh, hope you're having a great day today. I would like to... Um, welcome our guest on the phone this morning. I believe she's calling in from Waterloo area in uh, in, in uh, the uh, province of Ontario. Zafia Laplante is the executive officer of Hempergy. Hempergy, great name. And uh, she is also in her final year of global studies at Wilfrid Laurier University. And she's passionate about uh, the capacity building with Indigenous peoples. She's a member of the Métis Nation of Ontario. And as a, uh, an Indigenous woman and also a student entrepreneur, she is interested in understanding how Indigenous land-based knowledge can be used, uh, the, have the use of biotechnology to mitigate the effects of climate change across Indigenous communities. I would imagine uh, that that hopefully extends to uh, outside of uh, Indigenous communities because we all need benefit of mitigating those, um, that climate change. Zafia, good morning and welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's always so exciting to share, you know, some of my thoughts and um, my story and, and whatnot with uh, everyone else. And just your point about how technology and, and Indigenous are not, uh, everybody deserves and, and needs these new technology solutions. And um, that's what, that's what Hempergy is here to do. And it's kind of my mission uh, throughout my life is to kind of spread that knowledge, I guess. So yeah, mm. thank you. So, well, you just mentioned something. You said your story. That's a good place to start. Why don't you tell us about your story? How did you get started? How did you get interested in this? And how did it lead to where you are right now? Uh, yeah, that's always a, a interesting way to start. I find every time I share my story, it's always a, a different iteration of kind of what happened. But, you know, I think it all really started growing up in, in northern Ontario, in North Bay. I spent lots of my time uh, in the summer of paddling on Lake Nipsing and, and then spending lots of time on my grandmother's garden. And, you know, she would plant about two, two to 3,000, like, pounds of vegetables, 500 tomato plants every summer. And I thought, you know, this is, this is normal. And then I got to university and I realized, wow, like, nobody plants any tomato seeds, not even one plant. And I'm like, am I the weird one? Or, or what's, what's going on here? So just growing up and kind of having that sustainability uh, aspect in the back of my mind. It was always kind of normal for me. I, I didn't know anything else. And so learning uh, through university kind of the realities of today and, and climate change and, and the realities that a lot of Indigenous and non-Indigenous people face just for accessing food. I'm like, there's so many problems that exist in our society. And I'm like, I have to be able to put this this education to use. And so when the Trudeau government said about two years ago, they were going to legalize cannabis, I thought, there's going to be a huge opportunity and this opportunity can kind of make or break Canada in so many different ways. And I thought, you know, if there's a possibility to kind of innovate and and change the wheel and how we do business and how we do uh, just selling products, I guess, it it could really help support and maximize uh, the potential of a lot of communities. And so I've been working kind of over the last uh, four years, but I'm going to say the last two years really on, on this idea um, to really scale it to something more than just an idea and a passion of mine. And so I guess um, this past year, my, my final year at Laurier, I was accepted into an accelerator program to uh, kind of scale my business venture into this thriving enterprise that, that, I'm, that I'm hopefully going to be able to achieve in, in my lifetime. And so it's just kind of been this long journey of, you know, discovering my own identity and figuring out the best ways to contribute positively to uh, my own community, but also Indigenous communities uh, across Canada and, and Turtle Island. So it's really this interesting way of, you know, I thought something that was so normal to me growing up is actually so foreign to many people. Hmm. And so that's what I'm kind of hoping to do through my through my enterprise, Hempergy. Um, so, yeah. So you, s- you said uh, quite a bit there, and that was, that was thanks for sharing that with us. 
Um, I just want to go back to what you said about, uh, I believe it was your, your mom um, or, or someone in your family that was planting. Did you say 500 tomato plants? Yeah, my grandmother, she's been a, a founding member of the North Bay Farmers Market here. So it's uh, pretty pretty crazy to see all the hard work she puts in. I was going to say, that's uh, that's a lot of tomato plants. That's a lot of tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of work. I know some people that that, uh, have these uh, tomato uh, parties every year and uh, (laughs) and put the get the tomatoes going to make the sauce and all that stuff, you know. So um, I guess she would take that to market like you were saying. Yeah, yeah. She'd take everything, you know, peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, everything. And I just saw that growing up. I'm like, this is this is how I want to live my life. And so it's kind of been um, indirectly kind of shaping what I'm doing. So it's, Mm. it's kind of interesting. Yeah, you know it's really interesting in what you're saying about about that connection your grandmother had that that you saw that you then you realized that hey some people aren't even like planting one tomato plant what's going on here mm-hmm. like what's happening but there's that connection and you kept that connection and that connection to the earth uh, is a vital one if we are going to uh, remember that uh, how to save this planet I think it's vital. Exactly. And, and, you know, understanding that indigenous peoples uh, around the world have, have kind of been the stewards, have, have been the stewards of the land and the water and the seeds. And, you know, understanding the realities of climate change and this environmental degradation that's taking place, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's very scary, actually. And it, it's uh, this stark wake-up call that change needs to be done. But personally, I believe just through the experiences I've been through, indigenous peoples need to be and, and must be at the forefront of this climate revolution if we really want to ensure um, sustainable change. You know, uh, you, you mentioned this accelerator group that you've been accepted into that, that hopefully can help you with, with Hempergy. And we want to talk about, a little bit more about that. But just before we get there and what you just said about uh, the urgency and, and those kind of things, I have a 14-year-old daughter who came home from school the other day and started telling me, and it has, it has chilled me, that said, Dad, there's stuff on the internet saying, you know, we're all going to be dead in 11 years. And it's like, yikes. You know, uh, there is that timeline. And, and this, this people have been saying this for a long time, that we have to do something. And when my daughter came home and said that to me, uh, it just said, yeah, there's a finite number staring us in the face, and we better start doing something pretty damn quick. So um, with that, how do you see and how do you look at what you're doing um, in terms of hempergy, in terms of helping with, with that, that, uh, that timeline that's staring at us in, in terms of, uh, of climate change? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's kind of the question that I've been wrapping my head around the last two years. You know, how is hempergy going to not only contribute positively economically, but environmentally and socially and culturally? And I guess um, the way that I intend on doing that is, you know, understanding that Hempergy is an Indigenous-owned operated enterprise. Our focus isn't just to sell a great product that is biodegradable and has all these uh, amazing properties for the planet, but also, uh, you know, restoring and revitalizing land-based uh, ways of, of agriculture and architecture. So it's not necessarily just using this, this hemp plant and the products that we're looking to create to help address climate mitigation, but also restoring, restoring the way that communities used to uh, be stewards of the land and simply using technology to, you know, optimize, optimize what's taking place and, and not taking away from that unique cultural identity. So it's this, this fine balance of being able to engage directly with communities and, and celebrating all of their, their uniqueness and cultural diversity, but also ensuring that the environment uh, and the protection and safeguarding of the environment is also involved. So it's, I'm still trying to work through kind of exactly how that would look like, but it's, it's on the forefront of my mind. And the first thing that I think about in the morning uh, when I want to get stuff done is what's Hempergy going to do to make this planet a better place for everyone. So tell me about what, uh, what Hempergy, uh, obviously you're working with hemp. What are there, are there other products or, or, or uh, um, uh, plants that you're working with? Um, so as of right now, we're, we're focused uh, on the hemp plant. It's very similar to the cannabis plant. Mm. Uh, by understanding there's still a little bit of uh, legalization and, and things that need to be worked out just for byproduct development uh, in the cannabis industry. We're kind of 
holding off from that, that new budding market. But uh, in terms of hemp, we're focusing on, you know, using the entire full-spectrum plant. Um, no waste is involved in, in our processing. Uh, we really want to respect and honor kind of the, the way that the plant has survived through all of these years and, and how it's able to uh, really shape the next 100 years and, and generations ahead. So, for, uh, yeah. For people that don't know, can you describe the properties of hemp uh, what makes it such a wonderful plant in terms of this area? And two, is hemp grown everywhere? Because I'm not sure about, uh, is, it, is it grown in the north? Is it only grown in the south? Where does it grow? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. We'll start with uh, where it's grown. So uh, hemp and cannabis, or I'll, I'll go back to the difference of the plants, actually, that may help. So hemp and cannabis are, vi- visually, they look pretty much alike. But the difference is between uh, psychoactive components. So with cannabis, you would uh, get the high THC content, which has the psychoactive properties and is essentially what uh, people would use to consume for therapeutic purposes or recreational purposes, whereas hemp has low THC, no, barely any psychoactive component, and a high CBD content. So what it doesn't have in psychoactive uh, properties, it has in medicinal and anti-inflammatory and pain relief. So. Mm. While cannabis is used for um, medicinal purposes and, and recreational treatment, hemp is more of a, an energy feedstock. Um, it can be used for hemp parts, for textiles, for insulation, mm. and it can, it can be grown almost anywhere around the world. Uh, it, there's issues in terms of growing it in the northern parts of um, the world. I know it has been used in, in um, Ukraine in Chernobyl to kind of fix the soil after mm. uh, the, the explosion there. So it's, it's this interesting plant that can grow in many climates, but... Hang on a sec. Can, sorry, I have to interrupt you there. Yeah. You said it's been used, it's being used in Chern- Chernobyl to, to restore the soil? So, so it, yeah. it, it has healing properties that are good for the planet. Yes, yeah, wow. it's, it's pretty crazy. Like they, yeah. I believe they used uh, various types of hemp to you know, remove the toxins and minerals from the soil there, and they were able to actually kind of restore the land to somewhat of its natural um, mm. state before the accident took place. So, okay. yeah. And, and and how how fast of a, a growing plant is it? So from seed to harvest, it takes about anywhere between uh, 100 to 120 days, so four to five months, mm. so pretty short lifespan, yeah. And And it's a fairly hardy plant, it sounds like. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And enough of it can be grown, uh, sounds like, also for the needs that you're wanting to use it for. Yeah, I, I believe um, from, from my research that I've been doing, you know, an acre of hemp absorbs four tons of CO2, and that same acre can create about 10 times the amount of pulp that trees can in, in a fraction of the time. So it's really this fast-growing, strong, durable, versatile plant um, with amazing uses and properties and can be used widespread across many industries. That sounds very cool and a very <laughs> promising. Are there, any, are there any downsides to the plant? So from, from what I've looked at, I guess the, the biggest downside is not necessarily with the plant itself. It's more of actually utilizing what the plant can provide. So there's uh, understanding like hemp has been legal in Canada for about 20 years now there's kind of been this pushback to actually be able to bring the, the plant to market uh, just due to the lack of technology and mm. an understanding of how to actually efficiently separate it. So um, for processing the plant, that's kind of more, more of the challenges, but growing it itself, the entire plant can be used. Um, it, it cleans the soil and, and it helps promote ecosystem biodiversity. So many, many widespread benefits. Yeah. Wow, that's that's very cool. So um, I want to I want to ask you about um, about where, if if at all, it is actually being used in wide uh, wide market areas or being grown for those purposes, and then being uh, being uh, uh, produced uh, if they've already gotten past uh, the how to how to. Uh, uh, how to use this plant in a, in, a, in a large area. But before I get there, just hang on to that thought. I just want to mention to people, if, they're, if they've just tuned in, you're listening to Moment of Truth. And our guest on the phone is Zafia LaPlante, and she's the executive officer at Hempergy. And uh, she's, on, uh, she's on the phone from, I believe, from Waterloo. Are you on the phone from Waterloo? 
I'm actually home in North Bay. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I always get this wrong. I always sounds like you're miles okay. away, and I was talking to someone the other day thinking they were in the far north, and they were actually right here down the street. So anyway, <laughs> so thanks for joining us, and thanks for calling in from, from North Bay. So are there places at this point in time on the planet where hemp is being grown in, in a large amount and being cultivated and produced and have gotten around uh, some of this this technology that that you're referring to in terms of its uh, its its uh, its processing yeah so uh, Canada is actually just starting to kind of push those boundaries uh, we grow about a hundred and thirty thousand acres every year of hemp and there's a few niche uh, markets across the country that are using hemp for insulation and in, in construction materials. Um, I know China is one of the world is the world's largest producers of hemp, mm. and they actually use uh, the material as a textile for all of their um, army soldier uniforms because it's mold proof and antifungal, antibacterial. So there's a few different places that are using it, but it's just only about I'm going to say in the last five years uh, since I started university that it's really kicked off to to another level. People. Um, I believe in in Latin America are now uh, trying to integrate it as a sustainable feedstock for um, textiles. And in Europe, they're using it as a biomass uh, pellet uh, natural heating source. So there's many different uses, and it's it's really awesome to see how people are able to use same plant for so many different things in various places across the world. But it all goes back to, to the same initial miracle plant of hemp. So... Yeah, from what you're describing, it sure does sound like a miracle plant. Wow. It, it just <laughs> Everything you're listing just sounds like what we need uh, to help with this planet uh, in many ways right now. Uh, from its use, as, uh, as you mentioned, for materials and, and clothing, uh, for its, its resistance to mold, um, is it, uh, is it uh, water-resistant or waterproof at all, or...? So I think that there's been, um, you know, a few companies that are trying to to make it waterproof and water resistant. I just know the plant itself is very, very hardy and durable. I know um, for construction purposes, uh, which is where Hempergy is, is really focused on using that leftover, that leftover plant material. So uh, if you mix it similar to straw bale homes and, and natural construction materials, uh, it is it has many properties of uh, antifungal, moisture control, uh, fire resistance. So depending on its use, it, it could be. Um, but that's that's one of the areas I'm looking at focusing. So it's, it's good that you brought that up, actually. Thank you. That, that's, uh, wow. Um, so listen, you're trying to expand this. You're trying to get more and more Indigenous people uh, on this uh, on this this idea that hemp has has these great qualities and to to get into it and maybe start producing it on their land and and i guess those kind of things to 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 help sustain it and move it forward yes yes exactly that's that's exactly where we're at right now you know just expanding and sharing that knowledge uh with the hemp economy so exactly and and how is that going it's 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 coming along it's uh, you know, as a student, I'm par- juggling part-time being this entrepreneur and, and getting getting my last courses finished so I can graduate. And it's really, you know, since I'm going to say my birthday in February, it's really kicked off. And there's been some interest from a few communities in, in southern Ontario. And we're looking at kind of exploring with communities uh, in northern Ontario as well this year. And with my, I just was approved for my hemp license actually last month. So it really became this reality in my life. That mm-hmm. was that was a dream for so long. So, yeah, looking at, at expanding to communities that are either involved in, in cannabis already or looking to explore, you know, we're really trying to provide not just uh, growing services and growing solutions, but the entire economy. Uh, so whether that be waste management, uh, product development, or just assisting with uh, providing the right technology for the job is is. Where, what Hempergy seeks to do. We want to be the, the one-stop shop for hemp. Mm. Listen, that's a great place to stop right there because we have to take a pause. So uh, we're going to take a pause for our messaging and come back, and we will be right back on Element FM and Moment of Truth with our guest, Safia LaPlante, and she's the executive officer of Hempergy. I want to talk about how you got exactly focused on Hempergy as well, what, what drew you to that in your, uh, in your studies. We will be right back after this on Element FM. 
Welcome back to Moment of Truth on Element FM. You are listening in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. Thanks for listening. And thank you to our guest who is on the phone from North Bay, Zafia LaPlante. She is the executive officer of Hempergy. And uh, don't go away at the bottom of the hour. We only have about 10 minutes left, Zafia, and uh, it's been fascinating talking with you. It would be really great to have you back on at another time to talk more about the miracles of, uh, of hemp and all those things that we've been discussing. But, you know, at the bottom of the hour, we have a guest uh, waiting to uh, join us online. And, and what makes me think about that is because Hempergy has this kind of a a neat kind of a rhythm to it. Hempergy. I think our, now we have hip hop artist, <laughs> he's Leo Vance in the studio and he's going to be coming online. Maybe he can do something with that Hempergy and write something about that. I'll ask him about that. Maybe. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, he's that waiting patiently. Cool. So anyway, Zafia, um, we were, uh, we were just talking before the break. How did, what drew you to hemp? What got you interested? Oh, you know, it's, it's, I don't even know. It's this weird way of of figuring out you know the cannabis industry was going to be legalized and i just got obsessed with the plant mm. i got obsessed with how it was grown what it was used for the different ways that it was being used and seeing that hemp and cannabis are although they're very similar uh cannabis having the psychoactive components for recreational and medicinal uses but hemp also being uh used for manufacturing and supply chain i i just got obsessed at what it could be used for. And I'm like, is it really possible that this one plant can be used for almost 25,000 different purposes? And I just started exploring and, and I realized, you know, it's been used for so many years and in the most basic way, people have been able to optimize it. And I thought there has to be a better way to, to do something. And I just, I just got obsessed, like I said, and it's, it's been this obsession of mine that grew into new ideas and I've just kind of been able to integrate and, and pave my own way of, of what I want this to look like by incorporating not just the importance of environmental and cultural sustainability, but my own unique perspective on, on the world and, and how we should uh, do things in relation to the land. So it's, I don't even know the, the story of, of Hempergy's, is still in its development stages, mm. I guess, if that makes sense. And are, are you doing this all by yourself at this point? Uh, so for the last year and a half, I, I have been doing this by myself. But uh, in the last, I'm going to say, six months, I've really gotten a lot more support from mentors and Indigenous leaders, um, you know, building building this team of engineers and industry professionals mm. is, is something that's just come to light now and I'm so thankful for, for them because it's, you know, it's, like I said, being a student entrepreneur and a young Indigenous woman in, in clean tech when I don't even study anything to do with engineering or science is really daunting and, and scary sometimes. But it, it means a lot to be able to, to share my knowledge and my ideas in this way. And, and so how, how would you say that the general population or even the industry, people you're speaking to, how much awareness is there when you start mentioning hemp and, and its qualities and it's this wonder this wonder plant uh, to people? Are they are they familiar with what what its properties are and what it what it has to offer in terms of helping us with climate change and, and the future of this planet? Well, that's actually a really interesting question because I find when I speak to uh, industry professionals, they know exactly we're speaking the same language, we're on the same page. But when I talk to even just people in my class and, and some of my professors at school, they're like, oh, like hemp, isn't that just cannabis? And mm. I'm like, no, there's actually a difference. So mm. it's kind of this social stigma that's grown alongside cannabis and kind of almost tainted uh, the uses for hemp. But once I share with them just a few of the uses and, and actually physically show them some of the products that are made from hemp, mm -hmm. they're completely blown away that this is even possible in the first place. So it's, it's an interesting uh, dialogue that I, I find myself in. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you, 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 you talk about this in terms of how it might be able to help with housing in the North as well, in terms of the, the houses, as we know, on many Indigenous communities are, are mold-ridden uh, and have a lot of uh, issues uh, from that, in that part of the, uh, the country. Yeah, um, it's, it's, you know, 
reading about kind of these realities that many Indigenous and non-Indigenous folks are facing in rural and remote areas is is devastating. And, you know, being so privileged growing up in a space where I'm able to attend uh, post-secondary education, I, I thought it was just, it wasn't even like a thing that I, I chose to do. It's just something that needed to be done. And I believe that hopefully through my work, I'm able to support one family, one place, one time, somewhere, somewhere in, in Canada or in, in Northern Ontario. And it's, I don't know how exactly that'll look, but that's what I'm hoping to, that will come to light in the next few months. Um, mm-hmm. Just with the, the housing conditions, it's, it's, there's no words to describe. It's, it's something that shouldn't have ever been a reality in the first place. You know, if Indigenous peoples were able to, to, to I don't even know how to say it, not even Indigenous peoples, but just the way that the system works, I guess, has kind of pushed many Indigenous peoples to the sidelines and kind of said, you know, deal with it and that's that's not the way that we should be doing things and i don't believe that it's the way that the future will be um unless things are changed so well there's so many ways that i could talk about this but yeah it's just been uh, a frustration of mine well Sophia, your frustration is is heard in your voice and what you're saying and i appreciate the comments you just made because and i will just add to this when you mentioned the system uh you know the system uh, is is one as, as with any rules that are written are only good, as good as the people that, that are standing behind it. And uh, I think that we all know how the system was set up and how it was initiated and what it was meant to do. And it was not in the benefit of Indigenous people. And I think we find ourselves now uh, gazing at that in many ways uh, in, in the result of even finding, like you said, why are there homes with even mold in them that should never have happened? Exactly. You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. But to your efforts, uh, I really think that what you're on to here sounds extremely, extremely promising. And I hope that many people catch on to this and, uh, and you are able to get that message out. Because it sounds like you have a big, uh, a big job ahead of you in terms of getting that message out. And I'm glad that we're able to help in some way to do, help you do that. And uh, I wish you all the best. And I hope that other industry people and, uh, and, and the government and, and other people get on board with this to help you move this forward. Because it sounds like something that we really need at this point very desperately and very quickly to help us uh, restore and save this planet in, in many ways to mitigate those, uh, those uh, uh, climate changes that we are now stuck in and see the uh, line drawn ahead of us that is approaching very quickly. Exactly. And, and I really appreciate, you know, the, these comments. It's been a, a long journey. Well, two years. That's like nothing, I guess, in, in entrepreneurial talk. But I just mean, you know, it's, it's a long journey just explaining and, and sharing my vision and my ideas and kind of falling down nine times, get back up once and, and just keep fighting that big fight. Because like you said, I have there's lots ahead of me, but I'm just one person doing doing the most that I can do. And it really does take a community and nation to nation collaboration to to make this uh, a dream, not just a dream, but a reality mm. for for right now and for future generations. So yeah, thank well, you. Yeah, oh, you're you're very welcome, Chimigwech uh, uh, and and Yawa and and uh, Wanishi for for taking the time to join us and share this with us. As I said, uh, we wish you all the best, and and I really look forward to maybe discussing this with you in another six months to see how things are are coming along. Because it would be great to hear. Uh, that things are moving forward and, and that, uh, that you have, have gotten more uh, support and help in moving this forward. So uh, it would be great to hear how other maybe in Indigenous nations are adopting this and moving forward with it. We need to get this going quickly so we can save our planet. As you, as you heard me mention earlier in the show, my daughter uh, came home and, and is, is also seeing that line drawn in the, in the earth ahead of us uh, and is very concerned. So people like you and people that are youthful need to, uh, need to take this and run with it, as we all need to do. So again, uh, Nyawa, for joining us today on the show from uh, North Bay. I wish you all the best with your efforts, uh, with your schooling. Happy birthday, by the way. And, um, Thank you. <laughs> Sophia, thanks for, for taking the time, and we really look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you. And for all those of you that are listening, you can find us uh, on our website, www.hemperg.ca. And I'm Zafia Laplante, and I'd love to, to hear any of your ideas and insights. So thank you um, for this, this experience. And yeah, I'd love to catch up, you know, just 
see where things are at um, after this growing season. All right. I appreciate it. Sounds good. All the best. We have been speaking with uh, Zafia LaPlante, and she is the executive officer of Hempergy. And she's also in her final year at uh, Wilfrid Laurier University in Global Studies. And she is trying to uh, get the word out about hemp. And that's her company, Hempergy. And uh, you heard her mention her website is www.hempergy.ca. You can uh, look her up and find out more about that. We're going to take a pause, but don't go away because uh, maybe maybe our next guest uh, might have something to say about Hempergy. I think that's got a, a kind of a neat little... Uh, it's got some rhythm to it. And I think our, our next artist, he works with rhythm a lot, as you're going to hear and as we explore him. Leo Vance is in the studio, and we're going to come right back to him. We're going to go to one of a song of his, actually, this break as well, before we, uh, we speak with him in the studio. And we're going to hear Brooklyn. So we're going to take this break, hear a song, come right back on Element FM and Moment of Truth. Okay, so... Leo Vance, he's been kind enough to come in. He's going to be performing at uh, Canadian Music Week on May 8th. Now, Leo Vance, has uh, he's had a couple of releases. And if you haven't checked him out, you might want to go online to just to see uh, some of his work. His new track is Brooklyn. Uh, he's also got another uh, a video online that you can check out, All Right. And there's another one. Uh, there's another one. What was the one you were referring to earlier? Oh, something about you. Yeah, something about you. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to tell you that I was uh, I was very impressed with one the videos. I think uh, whoever you you're using for your video work in terms of the choices of uh, uh, of scenes and where to set them, uh, some very cool stuff in terms of of how they're put together. Really nice. Yeah, I've had the chance to work with some really talented directors. Mm. And they've had a really great vision mm-hmm. to just let them do their thing. And it's worked out so well for me thus far. Well, they got some uh, good songs to work with, I have to say. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. Now, you're, you, you are fortunate because uh, you come from a musical family. Yes. So your mom and your dad have both uh, provided you. And, and like your mom said, uh, sorry, your manager, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, <laughs> has said that, uh, you know, you grew up basically in the studio with your dad. He was uh, producing people, and you grew up in uh, in Detroit. Yes, actually. So first, she didn't actually mention that uh, my first studio experience was actually with my mother. Hmm. Um, I was in the studio with her and a band, a full band, mm-hmm. and I think Divine Brown. And we were, they were working on a song, and I just, I remember hearing the live band and the instrumentation mm. and then her singing, and it was just a really cool experience. Mm. And then my next uh, real studio experience was with my father and just being in a, his basement studio mm-hmm. and listening to the sounds, because he was a producer and engineer, so... Mm. He would produce and engineer the the sessions, mm-hmm. and so just watching how he maneuvered each individual sound, it really stuck with me. Mm. So it was cool. It was really cool being in Detroit and seeing how raw it is for them to do music, and they're so talented. Yeah, Detroit, big big music town for sure. Yeah. So, so listen, how how much time did you spend in Detroit? You're here. You're located in Toronto now. Yes. Yeah, so, um, actually, I'm. I would say that in my early life, I was kind of between Toronto and Detroit. Mm. I lived there for a little while, and um, I'd go back and forth to see my brothers and sisters, and my father and my grandmother, mm-hmm. and that's where I got kind of the, the musical flavor from. I think, the, the, I, I think there's also something to be said about your heritage in terms of musical uh, uh, heritage, uh, uh, flavor, as you, as you said, uh, because you have both indigenous and African roots. Yes. So there's uh, a lot that came from spending time with my grandmother and my cousin in Saskatchewan mm. and... Just going to the powwows with my grandma, it was, mm. uh, it's a different kind of experience. And mm. that's usually what I take from when I mm-hmm. make my music, whether it be producing or songwriting. Mm-hmm. So 
the thing that really stuck out to me with uh, indigenous culture is just the the beat, the drum beat, and how you feel the singers yeah. when they're when they're singing. Oh, you sure beat. do. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just that feeling that I like that. Mm. It, it feel it's powerful and it's moving. It sure is. Yeah. Well, the the big drum, uh, is, uh, the power drum, is is supposed to be the heartbeat, right, of yeah. Mother Earth. And when uh, they kick in to that singing, man, it's like you said. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. It goes right through you. Yeah. You cannot uh, you cannot avoid it. It uh, it is it is power. So um, I think you you started uh, with your own uh, music, though. I think what you were about eleven or so. Uh, actually, I was ten and a okay. half. Okay. And I really wanted to start out as uh, a singer, right? But mm. I did not like my singing voice. <laughs> so my friend actually, um, he showed me and introduced me to Nipsey Hussle, mm. right? And it was from there that I started writing hip-hop mm. and really getting into rapping and songwriting for that kind of realm mm. and it really i never stopped <laughs> from right. there i just loved it yeah it was amazing right and the feeling it gave me writing hip-hop is something that i can't even explain cool um so I also heard that you, uh, because you, you do write and you do uh, record everything, I understand, yourself? Yes. So, so now I heard, heard you mention that you can, you can play all instruments. What does that mean exactly? Well, to me, okay, so it's not all instruments. <laughs> the strings, instruments... I have so much respect for people that mm. can play stringed instruments mm. even a little bit because right. I cannot do it to save my life. Right, right. But I, my main instrument is the piano, mm. and it's my favorite. Mm. I love the piano. Uh, I can play a clarinet, bass clarinet, trumpet, mm. trombone, uh, drums, and so like pretty much everything in the orchestra but the string instruments those were the only things that I wasn't able to touch because my band teacher didn't let me all right so i'm i'm glad you said that cuz i was going to say man if this guy can play strings in all the instruments that's <laughs> wild <laughs> yeah i didn't actually i wasn't able to make it to the strings mm. i tried guitar but i was lost on it mm. i couldn't do it yeah <laughs> so is kendrick lamar still a big influence for you Yes, I love Kendrick. Yeah. I still listen to Kendrick very heavy. He's in most of all my playlists. Mm. Any new playlist I make, he's yeah, he's definitely got a spot on there. And, and he's a guy that's uh, influenced a lot of people and gets a lot of respect. Yeah, definitely. He's <laughs> uh, he's he's really a good songwriter, yeah. and he's really he's really musically inclined. Mm. You can really tell that. He's got a lot of passion, mm. you know, and that's that's it's people with that kind of passion in their voice. It's like the um, the indigenous singing as well. It's mm. just like I'm really gravitated towards people with passion in their voice. That's why I like to listen to a lot of uh, reggaeton music, mm. which is uh, Spanish music mm. for those who don't know. Um, Spanish culture, they their singers really, really powerful stuff. Um, I love I love powerful voices and stuff that gives you the goosebumps. You know, <laughs> yeah, I do know, <laughs> I do know. Um, but but there's something more to that, right? When you say uh, it's, it's just not the, not the power and being able to be, say, a good songwriter, it's how to translate that in a way that is accessible to everyone mm -hmm. and simple. There's a simplicity to it. In that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, Leo is going to be, as we said, going to be playing at uh, Canadian Music Week on May 8th. Uh, and uh, so you can hear um, perhaps this song and maybe some others uh, as he does take the stage. So we're going to uh, we're going to go and listen to this song by uh, Leo Vance right now. This is Brooklyn on Element FM and Moment of Truth.
Okay, that was it. Uh, that's Brooklyn by Leo Vance right here on Element FM. Leo is in the studio with us. I want to say uh, once again uh, thanks to him for coming in with his manager. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, very welcome. So, uh, nice song. Nicely produced once Thank again. Thank you. Uh, really, really nicely. Uh, yeah, I, I had to, as I said, I wanted to keep the headphones on so I could listen to it very carefully. Uh, and you know what? It stands right up to the other songs that I heard of your material Thank in you. terms of production. Really nicely put together. Um, so do you do you run it by uh, your family uh, once you uh, put something together before you, you send it out? Or what do you do? Well, I run it by my manager. Mm-hmm. And I also have... Um, I run it by my sister Leah, mm. right? She's she's influenced a lot of uh, my latest singles mm-hmm. and this upcoming stuff. Uh, I send it to them first, mm-hmm. get a little opinion, and then I'll make some changes and then you know mix it, master it, and then mm. throw it out. So uh, maybe there there might be other artists out there listening uh, and thinking about what it is and how do you how do you put your stuff together. So so just to get a little technical for a minute, what sure. what kind of equipment do you use at home? Is it at home that you work? Yes. Okay. So what do you what do you do? What, what kind of stuff do you work on? Well, um, where do I even begin? <laughs> well, let's start with with uh, with the, the the software. Okay. So I use Studio One mm. as my main DAW mm-hmm. and. It is one of the best, in mm. my opinion. I've used a lot of DAWs over the years, from FL to Logic to Pro Tools, and Studio One has been the one that's stuck with me, mm. mostly because of its uh, usability. Like mm. it's the user interface is really easy mm. to to get a hang of, especially if you've used Logic before. Mm. Are so. you are you Mac or PC or what are you? Mac. Okay, but I. I <laughs> I have my Mac dual booted, so oh, I, okay. do, I do Windows as well. <laughs> right, right. Okay, I hear you. Yeah, there's more of that going on these days. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, uh, so so why why write this song? Why write Brooklyn? Well, um, I heard the beat, and um, Jay Casperson, which is uh, the person who actually produced that particular song. Mm. Uh, very talented producer. As soon as I heard the beat, it reminded me of the time that I spent living in New York City mm. when I was actually living in Brooklyn. Mm. And it just reminded me, it took me back to that time. So mm. I decided to write a track about mm. how I felt at that time. Mm. <laughs> All right. And so that's basically where it stemmed from. And um it was uh it was it was a crazy right. I was like two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning every single night trying to finish that song in Miami before I got back to Toronto. Mm. Yeah. So it was uh it was a crazy right, but I've managed to get it finished. And how long does it usually take you to go through a track if that's a fair question? I know that sometimes things <laughs> work quickly, sometimes they don't. But Yeah, wow. It's it really depends. Brooklyn took me a few days mm. to write. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to capture the essence of the feeling that I got uh, okay. really well. And so I spent a little bit more time on it. This is the newest song, All Right. I finished that in 10 minutes. Mm. I wrote it in 10 minutes. And mm. then I mixed and mastered it in 20. So that was like one of the quickest songs that I've done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it really just depends. Sometimes uh, I have no choice but to just let the words flow out mm-hmm. and just get it done. Right, and sometimes it takes a little longer. Sometimes it, I really want to focus in on what I'm trying to capture and what mm. I'm trying to portray on the song. Okay, uh, I want to go back just for a second. Uh, I can, I can hear some musicians out there going, "No, no, you didn't talk. You didn't talk enough about the uh, equipment and stuff." So, <laughs> yeah. So, so like mic choice. Do you have a, a certain mic that you use specifically? Yeah, um, I love Rode, so okay, yeah. I use Rode NT1. Yeah, and. It just complements my voice very mm. well. I feel it complements everybody's voice really yeah, well. It's, it it's just has a yeah. rich, rich sound. Yeah. So I really love it. Um, and then I have the Apollo Twin. Yeah. So that audio interface is mm. one of the best. Mm. I have yeah. never heard better sound come out of mm. anything else. So I love that. Once I got that, it was just, it elevated me somewhere else. Right. Um, 
And then I have my production stuff. So、yeah. I have all the newest stuff from Native Instruments. Okay.、Um, I have the drum pad, I have、yeah. the keyboard from、yeah. them, and then I also have a sequencer.、Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember all the names. Okay.、Uh, It's not a trick. You don't have to remember. <laughs> okay.、Uh, yeah. Okay. And then I've also got my,、um, my automatic faders. Yep. Right. So that's what I use to、mm. mix my songs.、Yeah. And then. If I could show you a picture, it, lo- it looks like a spaceship. <laughs> right. So I have like six screens and everything.、Mm. And wow. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a really great experience. I've had my、uh, friend actually build it for me,、okay. my whole studio space inside my house. Yeah, nice.、Uh, what, what about、uh, add ons in terms of、uh, effects and those kind of things? Do you have some choices, some, some particular ones that you are drawn to or that you like? Again, native instruments. Yeah.、Um, when it comes to Plugins for it, like making,、mm-hmm. um, making music, like production and、mm-hmm. stuff. Native Instruments is my go to.、Right. I love everything that they make.、Um, in terms of mixing and mastering,、yeah. Isotope. Oh, really? Yes.、Okay. I love、yeah. Isotope.、Mm. Uh, Neutron is what I use for.、Um, Just mixing the sounds, and、mm. then I have Nectar and、uh, Ozone as well. It's the best. All right. So there you go for、uh, other guys that are out there listening. Yeah, there's some、uh, very familiar stuff that's、uh, widely used and,、yeah. and incredible, very credible stuff for sure.、Um, so we're,、uh, we still have a few minutes left.、Uh, what would you like to share with people about either、uh, upcoming shows aside from、uh, Canada Music Week? Or other stuff you've got going on?、Uh, well, I have a new single in the works that should be coming out soon. I want to release it before Canadian Music Week,、mm-hmm. so that way I can perform it at Canadian、mm-hmm. Music Week.、Mm-hmm. Uh, the song is called Luxury, and、okay. I'm also producing it. So、okay. it's going to, I think it's going to be an amazing song.、Mm. And hopefully, I get to release it before Canadian、mm. Music Week.、Mm. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well,、um, you know, I, I, I saw an interview with you,、uh, and I want to, I want to ask、um, is your music, would you say, still moving in the vein of, of being inspirational for other people? Yeah, so my music, I like to think of it as something that is for everyone. I like to make different kinds of music for everyone, even some people that you know, have different moods during the day.、Mm-hmm. You know?、mm-hmm. um, I like to make motivational, inspirational music. It's kind of like the backbone of what I like to write because that's how I think.、Mm. Um, The other stuff like love songs and you know, club music,、mm. you know, getting hype in the club and everything. I like to make that music too because、mm. you know, I do go out and stuff,、mm. I hang、sure. out with my friends、yeah. and everything. So I like to make music that is for everybody in、yeah. every kind of situation. And I feel like that works kind of for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of、um, motivational, inspirational stuff, I love. Writing that kind of stuff.、Right. And that's usually what I like to write because I like to inspire people. I like to motivate them to be the best of themselves. What about collaborations? Any, any、uh, idea of that or coming up? Or... Yes.、Um, I've been collaborating with a lot of people、mm-hmm. recently.、Um, it's been a great ride since I've actually opened my doors for other artists to come into. My studio、mm. and record their songs and have it mixed and mastered by me. It's、cool. been an amazing experience.、Mm. Um, I've met a lot of talented people, and some of those people I will be working with in the future.、Mm. Okay. Um, so, uh, what about uh, this uh, Canadian Music Week、uh, performance that you're going to do? It's on May 8th. Do you know what time you're going on or anything like that? Or where it's going to be?、Uh, I know where it's going to be. As for the time, I don't know the exact time. Okay. Oh, okay. So my manager tells me it's nine o'clock. So it's nine o'clock, Paddock、okay. Tavern. Be there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, and that's in Toronto? Yes. Okay. So even if you're in the Ottawa area, you can always swing down and、uh, still catch the show. Yeah. What, 
What will people expect to see from this show? Uh, one of the most amazing performances they've ever seen in their life. <laughs> if you do say so yourself. <laughs> yes, if I do say so myself. Um, I love being on stage. Mm. It's one of my favorite things to mm. do other than being than actual songwriting itself. Mm. Um, the whole process of recording and mixing and mastering, I could skip that. But being on stage and actually songwriting, those mm. are my favorite things to do. So mm. I'm guess people say that I'm the most comfortable when I'm on stage so you can see that that's my love that's where mm. I'm most comfortable and how do you how do you usually perform your stuff uh, you know do you bring in the crowd <laughs> <laughs> but I'm bum um, so do you do you use tracks do you use instruments do you bring people on stage with you how do you usually well, it really depends on mm. what the actual performance calls for. The okay. last performance I did was for a record release party for the song Something About You. And mm -hmm. since I produced that track, mm. uh, I actually did live piano and okay. rapped. Oh, nice. So that was something I'd never done before. Nice. But it was a really cool experience mm. and it was new. Mm. Something that I don't mm. think I've seen before. Right. So... That was really cool. And then the performance before that, I had backup dancers, I think, the major performance I had before that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it really depends. If I don't have backup dancers or I don't have some kind of thing that I'm doing, then mm. I'll be in the crowd trying to get everybody hype with me. Mm. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, anything else you want to mention before we go? We have about a minute or so left. What else do I want? Yes. Okay. Well... The only thing I'd have to say is follow me on social media. Yes, thank you for mentioning that. You <laughs> want to hand out those uh, those handles yes, for you? Yes, it's Leo Vance Music mm -hmm. on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, you know, also subscribe to me on, on YouTube. I have my music videos, and I'm also going to be starting to do a vlog. Mm. So, you know... It'll be funny and fun and entertaining. <laughs> I like to uh, I like to entertain as well. I want to delve into the realm of acting. So let's mm. try new things. You know? uh, now I, I I do remember. Did you? Did, I heard you mention something about trying to get your own YouTube channel started. Is that still yeah. in the works, or are you still? Yeah. So uh, my YouTube channel has taken the backseat to my songwriting okay. and everything that's come forth thus far because it's been really crazy. Yeah. But. Uh, I'm really starting to get back into it. I have my camera now and everything uh, that I would need to get my YouTube uh, underway. Mm. So I've been working with some other people to kind of make it so it's not just me. Mm. <laughs> right. And uh, I wanted to start the vlog, as I was saying, and keep releasing music and also maybe do like mini shows or something you know something cool something <laughs> all right different. you just uh, were listening to leo vance uh, he was our guest today hip-hop parties he's going to be performing on may 8th at canadian music week as you heard him mention you can check him out online at leo vance on all social media platforms and that is l-e-o-v-a-n-c-e -E. we're just music. About out of leo vance music. Oh, leo vance music thanks for <laughs> clarifying that you've been listening to moment of truth i want to thank you for listening and check us out again tomorrow right here on element fm